Hello friends, welcome to episode 93 of Storyteller Conclave. This is a show all about helping you run the best tabletop role-playing game that you can, whether you're a new storyteller or dungeon master learning the craft, or an experienced storyteller looking to take your game to the next level. I'm Sarah. And I'm Rob. How are we doing, Rob? Um, I'm drinking wine. Yeah. Yeah, this is nice. This yeah, is we nice. had a, a nice nice dinner. Yeah. Some nice wine to go with it. Yeah, as I was saying, it, it is... A unique experience grilling in the winter, mm-hmm. but at the same time, it's kind of nice. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. For those of you who are not in a, uh, a climate quite like Michigan here in the yes. United States of America, uh, we have, uh, uh, what did you say, probably about five inches of snow. It's if eight, that. 18 degrees Fahrenheit, which is probably about, what, negative five or so Celsius. Yeah. Uh, Luckily, we don't have a heavy wind, and it's not too humid, so it's just really cold outside. Uh-huh. But what's nice is I have a nice little deck that I can, that's covered ever so slightly by my house, so I can have my grill set up and just literally walk out, do a little grilling, step right back inside. I have no bugs to deal with, no rain to deal with. It's not too hot. It's just really nice. It's really yeah. nice. Well, so. certainly don't something you have to worry about in Michigan. Michigan February is being too hot. Indeed, indeed. So, so uh, we had your game last uh, uh, last weekend. Yes, and I will flat out say. I did terrible things as a storyteller. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, what's mm-hmm. what's your what's your regrets list? Uh, first one, I fell upon some old things that I used to do, which is uh, way too much description and narration, and not enough like actual game play. Realistically, mm-hmm. I, I I wanted to get through a lot. I wanted to have the orcs that uh, since it was the first time you guys were really getting into the orc world i mm-hmm. wanted to make sure you had a rich experience there and understood what was going on so that it wouldn't have depth and unfortunately i just took it too far yeah yeah i think that was that was my kind of my feedback for yeah it was it was a it was a it was a lot it was a lot of lore uh, no no on on the good part though right. there was a lot of lore yeah, there is there like, is i i saw where you were going with it yeah no i the, the problem was i wasn't absorbing it all but right. um but but i saw exactly the, the, I, I would almost rather you have too much content than not enough you know right right and i think you had made some really great points because i always ask my players like what was good what was bad what could i've done better yep, and yep. you always do a nice job of being very honest and giving me a reply mm-hmm. and uh, i will be taking that to heart and working on more visuals to mm-hmm. handle those situations so that when you step into a scene it's more visually appealing um uh especially from a digital standpoint because i can do that yeah, um, yeah, yeah and i'm yeah. i'm still getting my feet under me about uh, virtual tabletop because i mean the foundry is great mm-hmm. um but i just don't use it a lot mm-hmm. like I, I mean it's it's hard to get your feet under something that you've technically you know presented a total of i don't know six times maybe up mm-hmm, to this point mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. so therefore i'm only have six experiences to learn from yeah, yeah so yeah. but that's the whole point of doing this is getting better and catching the thing so you may be super experienced you may be just starting out there are always things you can learn which is kind of where we're at today yeah absolutely so, I mean, like 25 25 years worth of uh storytelling experiences under both of our belts and we're both yeah. still every every game session is a learning experience for yep. us and you still you still make mistakes every so. yeah you, you always find yourself doing so there's i don't i don't know that, that i've ever had the perfect game session yeah, that i've walked away from going like i don't i wouldn't have done anything different you know? agreed agreed um i would say that uh i would say that for me any of the game sessions that i've thought or that that people have told me have been great game sessions. I look back on them like I don't think so, mm-hmm. and it's it's just because of perspective and how it turned out. Yeah, yeah. So well, the thing is, is that your players and this is just a great tip in general is that your players can't see behind the DM screen. You know, mm-hmm. it's there for a reason. So, um, I mean, I've I don't know how many times I've seen. Uh, you know, it said like in, in on like forum threads and Reddit and stuff mm-hmm. like that, where it's like um, my players walked away from my game saying it was the best game session they've ever had in ten years of playing D and D, and literally the only thing that I had written down was Shady Creek Run goblins. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Because <laughs> you know? yep. some things just work. Yeah. 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 And you know <clears throat> you. There are times when you plan and it works out, and you go through all the motions, and you feel good about it, and the game is good. And there are times when you've made no plans and it comes out just as good. And the magic is in between. Mm-hmm. It really is. It's it's about execution. Yeah, absolutely. So, well, so. speaking of uh, executing, <laughs> uh, 
Yes. Uh, in, in games that are near and dear to your heart. Yeah. Um, I will uh, I will put off my uh, my my comments about me having to do a bunch of procrastinate prep, and we will get right into Robotech. Robotech. So now, this, is a, this is a bit of a baby for you. Right? It is as much as I wanted to have the Robotech intro because there's something about the iconic sound of it. Uh-huh. Um, Harmony Gold. I, I will say this. Um, I'm going to be as positive as I can. There's a lot of things that can be said about Robotech as a franchise, as about things that have happened uh, over the last, I will honestly say, 30 years, mm-hmm. um, and the people involved. But I will say that Robotech has some beauty to it and some hilarity to it uh, that you won't find in other content. Mm-hmm. Um, so... It was my first story. It was my first game system. Um, I'll get to that because I've said it a few times before, but I kind of want to give a little history here. So Robotech was actually a culmination as an American uh, anime. It was a culmination of three animes from Japan mm. um, that were Super Dimensional Fortress Macross, um, Super Dimensional Cavalry Southern Cross, and Genesis Climber uh, Mospita. And that culminated into a into a bunch of toys that were basically um snap and glue kits uh that made this stuff and that stuff got brought over the united states around 1984 Mm -hmm. um and uh harmony gold saw an opportunity uh took that option um with um and i'll I'll butcher the name it's uh what's tatsunoko tatsunoko thank you um productions and in 85 we had uh, Robotech the anime released in America with English um, and it was an American product mm-hmm, it wasn't mm-hmm. Japan anime um, and it was 85 episodes um, and it kind of roughly pieced together this um, this series I'll say it's yeah. it's more than a series because there's more pieces than just one series mm-hmm. um, there eventually became a um, uh uh, a small two-run comic that DC did. Oh yeah, um, that just died um, they, instantly. They, they they pretty much killed it instantaneously. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, but later, shortly thereafter, um, Palladium Games picked it up as mm-hmm. a as an option and uh, ran with it um, from uh, eighty six through ninety five, and then reprinted in nineteen ninety eight the Robotech um, main series, which was Robotech and Robotech Two: The Sentinels. Um. And that followed its original system. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the only thing that really um, differs from that a little bit is they then did a Kickstarter for Robotech Tactics, which didn't go great. I'm not going to get into details on that. Um, and they ended up, uh, the uh, license they lost shortly thereafter. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. nothing else was to be created. It got picked up um then by uh, Strange Machine Games, who did uh, the Macross Saga, which I really haven't looked at much. Um, and that was in December 2019, because mm-hmm. it's been a ways after that. Um, it's an Advantage Roll 6 system, so it's it's different. Um, but it's relatively light. So um, okay. we can eventually, we'll both look into it. We'll, well, we might even do a little spotlight on, on that system as a whole, because it's... It is different. Yeah, I was going to say, I'd never, I'd never heard of uh, Strange Machine Games yeah. uh, until we did research for the show, yeah. and uh, I'd never heard of the, the Advantage 6 system either, so yeah. it's definitely something I'm going give to a, give a better look to, uh, but it kind of came up a little late in our, our research. So Yeah. So, Robotech as a whole um, is a anime and a story and setting about a, uh, effectively, uh, a... A, a mer- the world, mm-hmm. if you will, finds a crashed spaceship uh, in the South Pacific Islands uh, that has something called robotechnology. That's what they're calling it. Um, that helps. Uh, that allows them to transform these mechs into from f- basically fighters into giant robots. Yeah. So you you know you fly off the off of an air carrier deck and then in the air can some can transform into other things. It's like Transformers meets BattleTech. Exactly, and there are. I, I can't not say that there are some some fights that happen between uh, the creators uh, and BattleTech, and there were some. Oh, there absolutely were I lawsuits mean, involved. Um, well, no, I mean we, we we can address that that a little that, bit that you know elephant in the room. I mean, uh, the, I mean when 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 BattleTech first came out, it 
blatantly ripped off Robotech. Like, well, were... not just Robotech. Not but just Robotech. Mostly but Robotech. Yeah, mostly mostly Robotech. So Harmony Gold put their foot down on that one uh, pretty darn quick. Yeah, very hard. And that was the first really hard fight they had. Um, there were others that went mm-hmm. along with it. Um, but, I mean, to, I, I cannot blame a company for protecting their assets. Yeah, 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 exactly. And, and their copyright. You have to do that. You have to protect those things. Um, but but, but then, they, then they hung on to it for a long time. Yeah, it lasted a very long time. would not allow any sort of negotiations on the topic. And, which, which was yeah. sad. Which was very sad. So, yeah, there, there's, some, there's some salt on both sides of that one. I, but but I, I kind of understand Harmony Gold's I do, I do. I yeah. mean, business is what it needs to be to handle these things. But at the same time, it's challenging. And I will flat out say if you go to i think it's robotech.com there is still a thriving site there Mm -hmm. there are still people who are supporting it there are still things going forward um there are still discussions and threads um and there's a lot of interesting uh you can follow a lot of the history there um but today we're going to focus primarily on the palladium game system uh and what spun off from the uh the fantasy role play so Palladium's take on Robotech um, basically was a modified version of their fantasy role-playing game Mm -hmm. um, that was, I want to say, introduced probably five to six years earlier. Maybe a little longer than that. Sounds right. Um, I'm I'm trying to remember the dates, but effectively, and it's a 3D6 game, so your statistics are all rolled 3D6. Um, It is then uh, a D20 combat-style game with percentiles. Mm-hmm. So skills are percentile roles. Uh, general um, tables are percentile roles. But pretty much all combat is D20. I mean, for the most part. Yeah, it's, it's, pretty, um, it's pretty familiar to those who... And then, of D&D. course, damage is varied. It, it It is much like the other 80s games where, you know, every weapon used a different die with a different plus, mm-hmm. and it was very specific. So, in that sense, it was there was a lot of details that were thrown into it, and this was common of the Palladium games. It took a lot of cues from, uh, from AD&D 2nd Edition, which was big at the time as well. Very much so. Uh, so, you're, you'll see a lot of crossover if you're familiar with AD&D 2nd Edition uh, at that point as well. Um, Palladium will feel familiar to you. Um, but also, I think... Uh, uh, you know, you, you said that it was sty- kind of a stylized version of their uh, of their fantasy system, but I also kind of look at uh, Robotech as almost like a proto Rifts, um, because it was the first system that uses MDC Mega Damage Correct. Capacity for things like ship to ship weapons. You know, that were not meant for uh, for you know interpersonal warfare. Exactly, exactly. Uh, and we'll get into that a bit more and like where that sits in things. Um, but uh, for the most part, um. It was designed as a as an adjunct or as a step up from their uh, fantasy system, but really it took Palladium a pretty large leap. Mm-hmm. It allowed uh, them to expand on their existing TMNT system. Yes, Turtles came up again. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, expand into Rifts, which became very successful. Um, and Rifts had some beautiful pieces that came after that. Um, so uh, it... It helped expand that. Now, uh, originally there were, um, I want to say, eight books and eight books, three adventures, and two additional supplements that were produced for it mm-hmm. uh, by Palladium. Um, I actually had all of it. I want to say I've got like four of them. Okay. And here's like I never, I never played. Robotech. I okay. never really got into Robotech. So like this is one hundred percent your baby. But mm-hmm. but no, like I have those books sitting on my home. In fact, I think right now, if you go to our Twitter at ST underscore conclave, yep. um the banner image um of our Twitter page is a shot of my own gaming shelf. Yeah. Shelf. Mm-hmm. And I think you can see several titles of Macross, Southern Cross. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Robotech main book may be on there, something yeah. like that. But yeah, there's 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 a handful of Robotech books if you you, you can you can see on there right now. Yeah, and one of the beautiful things that I will say is that it gave you rich visuals right from the anime, and then expanded upon that in technical details. So in that sense, it really truly was a blending of. Uh, like second edition D anD D with good visuals, but mm-hmm. also battle tech. Like I had what a mech looked like, not only the the exterior, but some of the interior. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And that was something that endeared it to me immediately. Was because now I was seeing this anime come to even more light, more reality. Mm-hmm. Um, 
But things start to shift from there a little bit when you start getting into the mechanics. So um, attributes were IQ, mental endurance, mental affinity, physical strength, physical prowess, prowess, physical endurance, physical beauty, and speed. Mm -hmm. And it's odd. That like is you, the, the standard Palladium set. <laughs> yeah, and it's you, you listen to these things, and you're like, that's a lot of stats. And it is. It mm. really is a lot of stats. Um, but at the same time, when you think about some of the other systems that were coming out of that time, things were stat-heavy. Like, charting for stats was an important thing. Figuring out how to lay out a character so that you could accommodate whatever was going on. Mm -hmm. But one of the things that a lot of people ignored beyond IQ and wits, which were basically the two, your IQ and your mental affinity, mm -hmm. was mental endurance. Mm -hmm. And it was one thing that kind of sits in the background of all of the Palladium games, is this concept that you are under a certain amount of stress. Yep. And this game pushes that just a little bit, but it's under the covers. It's not nearly as obvious as most people would go to see it. Hmm. Um, and I'll address that. I'll keep going into that. And actually, it was expanded upon uh, in the new system that was put out. They actually oh, okay, leaned okay, okay. into that a little bit. Cool. Um, beyond that, you had, um, much like at the time, you had classes, just like D&D had classes at the time. You know, you mm -hmm. were a ranger or whatever. Um, and these are a set of skills that are predetermined, but some that you can select. Um, and then a series of weapon proficiencies. Because the idea was is that when you were starting your character in this, you weren't zero. You weren't starting at, at ground level zero. You were a hero at zero. So you were already a pilot, or you were a, a, a fighter pilot, or you were a engineer, mm -hmm, or mm -hmm. you were a gunnery control person. So you were already part of this military complex or a civilian who was getting involved that was already doing something. So you have skills. You've been working around. You just haven't stepped. This is your moment of heroism that's coming up. Yeah, that's pretty typical for um, for Palladium games in general. I mean, having played a lot of uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, After the Bomb and stuff like that, that's um, Ninjas and Super Spies, Heroes Unlimited. That's, you know, it's, it's basically like, yeah, you start out as zero, but you start out as a zero hero correct and correct already head and shoulders above your peers and in all honesty this mimicked 100 percent what was already out there for class design so if you went to D D back in the day you had skills that were predetermined for you what you could have you might get to pick a few things you had weapons proficiencies that was common mm -hmm. um you had authorized equipment and you had wages that yep. you got and Again, these this fit the board for every other game. It was just the way they detailed it made it seem so bulky to a lot of people. Yeah. Um, and then the rules kind of wrapped around that, and I'll, I'll get into those mechanics in a minute about how firearms was different than physical hand-to-hand -hand combat and how they broke that down, but I think that had a lot more to do with the past and what they had designed for fantasy. Mm -hmm. um, but then they took it a step further because again they were leaning into a, a, a more robust character something that a lot of the systems at the time didn't do and that was they had alignments they went beyond good and neutral and evil mm -hmm. in the gray areas in there they went and called them something better or something more and gave you an idea of how to play that character see and this is one of the things that like man as much as like uh uh i, I don't know that i would ever be able to go back to palladium um, just because I think my my style of preferred game has shifted so much from mm -hmm. from what Palladium is, but man, every time Palladium comes up, this is still the best thing that Palladium has ever brought to the table is their alignment system. Because not only do they give them, do they 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 eschew the typical like nine you know nine square graph mm -hmm. of of good neutral and evil lawful neutral mm -hmm. and chaotic right they give them names to make them feel unique so mm -hmm. you don't feel like a spot on a grid you feel like you've got a personality exactly but then the detailed list they come up with for things that this character of this alignment will find acceptable and things that they will find unacceptable and it matches across it's basically 11 answers uh, to statements and all of the statements match each other so you can look between principled scrupulous unprincipled yeah anarchist miscreant aberrant di diabolic and will, know will how... not steal but might take dirty money or goods will right. not kill a hostage but may intimidate or threaten one right will yeah. kill without question will kill without question or will never ki will never kill an innocent but a worthy opponent may you know yeah uh, well 
and, and but they but they go through and they mm-hmm. define all these different scenarios for you to give you a very good outline of how yeah. to play that alignment. And I think as a early player, that gave me a look into what role-playing really was. Without having, at that time, when I started, I definitely did not have an acting career when I was in middle school. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I, I still don't have an acting career, but I've done some acting, and I've understood where that comes from. Not having that theater background and understanding, it gave me something I could look at and understand Oh, so that's the thought pattern behind that. Oh, yeah. How can I get behind a character who is this? And it helped friends of mine who were playing with me like, okay, look at these and tell me which one of these your character would follow. And a lot of people were following under unscrupulous or they were, you know, leaning into, you know, anarchists, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you know, or at least miscreant. And they're like, wow, I'm I guess I'm dark. And the answer is no, they don't define it as light or dark. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Like a hero can be miscreant and still be a hero. It was kind of like good, selfish and evil. Correct. And and I really like that they defined not neutral, but selfish. Right. Like, look, I'm going to look out for numero uno. Mm -hmm. And if your goals align with mine, then, hey, cool, we can work together. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. And the moment they don't, see ya. Yep. I may throw you under the bus. Then they took it a step further. So now we have this rich inner piece, this mm-hmm. this, uh, this this side of a person um, that you can understand what their motivations are. When things happen beyond injury, which was basically hit points, was kind of a minor thing. You had insanities mm-hmm. and phobias and obsessions addictions oh yeah. yeah these were all included in character design and weren't necessarily optional mm-hmm. like they were things you had to define because drama and stress cause issues mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and that helps make a character and so looking at this again i was like wow there's a lot of depth here to making characters now initially when i was playing in middle school we didn't include those at least not in in palladium i cl- yeah, we I did in, we in rifts did but yeah but it makes full sense that if i'm literally driving around in a hundred ton vehicle Mm -hmm. you know blasting holes in living aliens that are equally my size i'm gonna have a little trauma yeah a little bit you know watching my friends get violently ejected into space is a problem Mm -hmm. you know and there's mental breakdowns that happen and so they kind of worked through that and what was funny was they then went optional rules age weight sex those are optional mm-hmm. like literally optional it's it's not as important as these other pieces yeah and that sh- really showed the weight of the system where they were leaning into it and i thought that that was a wonderful start point for anyone granted again I'll, I'll get into some of the issues of that but for the most part i saw that as an opening a doorway into something mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. the mechanics themselves again for the time fit almost every other system you had a roll and keep style d20 sometimes there were bonuses that were added onto that uh for making Some, it sometimes eh, most... uh, it was i would i would say it was pathfinder levels of bonuses where it was like plus one from this plus two from this minus two from this but plus three from that so it's yeah, yeah it's... I, I wouldn't i will say that it was not to the levels that shadow run brought into it no 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 you but... didn't have as many conditional modifiers on the other side mm-hmm. that were reducing things but yeah your player would add bonuses and usually it was not so much a more than one or two bonuses that stacked up it was just that your bonuses got getting larger yeah. yeah yeah and that was the key was that you'd you'd have an attack bonus when you were doing melee or you'd have an attack bonus when you were firing and then because you're doing a burst it's this mm-hmm. you know kind of a situation so really your bonuses were were pretty much equal in a lot of ways to pathfinder and second edition D in a lot of ways yeah 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 um the difference was skill checks were done with a percentile percentile die yep. under. Yes. So effectively, if I, if I have a skill in pilot uh, aircraft mm-hmm. and I want to do a maneuver, which is kind of a unique thing, you, excuse me, unique things on its own, I had to roll under the percentile because every time I skill upped, I would get either three or five percent more added to my skill level. Right, right. It's a. It actually runs a lot like um like GURPS and Steve Jackson games. Yep. Where your your numbers will get higher, um your for for your skills and your goal because that number is getting higher, it increases the threshold of space underneath that number essentially. So at ninety five percent, you've only got a five percent chance to fail because all you have to do is roll a ninety five or under. 
Um, and that's, that is, as I, I remember in Palladium games, it's as high as skills ever go because there's, they always want to have a margin of failure there. Indeed. I had a funny story mm-hmm. about rolling a double ot in, uh, in a Palladium game. Okay. That is literally as high as you can roll, so it is always a failure. In fact, it's, it's basically your nat one crit, crit failure of a, uh, of Palladium. Um, depending on what you're rolling. Uh, I was playing an assassin. Okay. And I had snuck into the enemy camp. This was in a fantasy game. Mm-hmm. I snuck into the enemy camp, and uh, uh, they had stolen a magical book that mm-hmm. we were trying to do something with. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, so I, I was being the stealthy one. I snuck in, and mm-hmm. I grabbed the book out of the general's tent. The general was there sleeping. Mm-hmm. And I was like, no, it would be dishonorable if I gacked you right now. We'll see on, we'll see on the field of battle. Sure, and I, sure. I snuck back out. So the storyteller says to me, roll a, uh, roll a stealth check to get out of here. I roll my percentile, I roll a double zero, which is a 100 on a percentile die, Yep. critically failing my stealth check. I poke my head out of his tent, I look to the right, I look to the left, as I'm looking to the left, I step out, right smack dab and literally run into a guard. Mm-hmm. The guard says, hey, I go, hey, sorry, didn't mean to bump into you, and just stepped around him. Okay. And she so failed guard, a stealth check, but the guard was like, uh yeah, sure, be be more careful next time. Okay. And I walked away from him. <laughs> yeah, you were noticed, but Yep. But did you make like I would say a consequence for that would have been something else. Like there would have been more of a consequence to that. I wouldn't put it to the level of necessarily like some video games where it's like suddenly the alert goes up the alarms go off and 30 people are shooting at you i think the 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 consequence was was um mitigated because of how well i handled it how i just slipped right into the hole no i belong here that's it's fine i just bumped Mm -hmm. into a guard no big deal Mm -hmm. just be more be more careful where you're walking yep Yep. and then just stepped around him mitigated because of the circumstances from it so it's it's all about it's all about knowing knowing you know look like you're supposed to be there so yeah um another thing they did differently in robotech beyond just the percentile for skill checks and such was a combat system that was variant from what others were doing and that was you have initiative whichever it was used to you have an attack or roll for strike your player your attack your defender then gets dodge which mm-hmm. may include dodge, parry, or entangle Yep. as a role. Then damage would be calculated, and the player would get the ability to roll, roll with, with hit. the punch. Yep. And that didn't, a lot of times, that didn't matter whether you were doing, a, you know, someone was shooting you, or someone punched you, mm-hmm. or you were in your mech and you were rolling with the hit. Now, it would mean it would reduce it, or you could fail your roll with a hit as well, and now you've got a problem. Like, you didn't maneuver properly. So it presented it a, another challenge, but definitely added more to the theatrics of playing a hero. And lended that you there was more chances to serve, more survival chances, mm-hmm, effectively. Mm-hmm. Um, and I liked that. I liked that you were constantly leaning into the hero doing heroic things. See, I see, I see where they were going with it. But um, I got to admit, this has always been one of my one of, a bit of one of my sticking points with Palladium games in general was this combat system. Um, and it reminded me a lot of Shadowrun uh, in that there was a role to see if it happened then a, then the defender got a roll and then the attacker got another roll that might have been mitigated by the earlier defender roll but then the defender gets another it's like you know in in D you roll a d20 and if it's over their ac you roll some damage you know but we're in palladium here you've got four potentially four separate rolls depending on what's going on to try to resolve if there's even damage rolled and how much of it gets rolled you know um so it it can the, the the real tricky point with Palladium is that it it strikes a you you have to try to strike a balance between um the realism that it offers you and the speed of your gameplay. Um, so you know you, you need to, de- to decide how many of those rules you're actually going to use. Uh, and I mean it gets it gets a little quicker as your as your gameplay goes on, mm-hmm. but uh, I always found that it it just got a little bogged down for me. Um, but, but I mean, again, it's yeah. very realistic. Like, yeah. And I, I really didn't feel that it, 
uh, as a whole that the combat system added added any more complexity that than D and D had at the time, or even that some of the other systems had at the time. Some had way more complexities in their combat than this, um, and some still to this day have way more complexities. Than this. I mean, I can honestly say that when I looked at Shadowrun, I was like, "Whoa, this is way more complex." Mm-hmm. Um, and that was just to try and hit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like it was way more complex in that sense. Um, so this this definitely had a different edge to it, and I, I I liked the heroism aspects of it. I still do in that sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, we talked a little bit about SDC versus MDC, which mm-hmm. is a damage difference, and really all it was was saying big things are stronger inevitably that you're not going to be able to just do things because they're a hundred times more and therefore they won't react to these lighter things. If I hit a well, tank with a baseball bat... Let's define what SDC and MDC right. are before we go into, right. into particulars. Right. SDC stands for Structural Damage Capacity. Mm-hmm. Um, so, like, people and things have uh, have SDC. Doors. Um, so, like, you know, pe- people have a certain amount of bumps and bruises, you know, that you can take. And that the reason they differentiate that from hit points, and this is, you know, an interesting layer of realism for you, mm-hmm. is that, like, if you stub your toe on the corner of the door, like, that's not going to kill you. Mm-hmm. It's not going to do hit point damage. Right. You know, it's not it's not tapping into your life. It's mm-hmm. an inconvenience, and you're going to swear a lot while you hop around for the next five minutes. But right. that's SDC damage. Um, objects only have SDC because they are not alive. They do not have hit points. So they have an amount of structural damage they can take before they before they are, are broken. Larger vehicles like Veritex. Tanks. Tanks. Uh, the uh, b- battleships, the, yeah. the, the S- S- SLD-1 or something like SDF. that. SDF. SDF-1 yes. uh, have MDC, and that is Mega Damage Capacity. Mm -hmm. Every point of MDC is worth 100 points of SDC, Mm -hmm. and SDC weapons cannot damage an MD... They cannot deal MDC. Correct. So even if you you take an SDC weapon and you roll 347 damage, that does not equal 3 MDC. Correct. So in other words, I can... If I've got a baseball bat and I hit a tank... It is going to damage the paint. It's going to, you know, chip, you know, uh, may, maybe scuff it a little bit, but it is not going to disable that tank. You in are any not way. impairing the tank, right? Like, likewise, if I pull out a submachine gun and shoot it at a tank, I am denting it. I'm probably going to really make it look terrible. But again, I'm not impairing that tank, no matter how many clips I unload or how accurate my shots are. Now, on the other hand, if I pull out a one D four MDC laser pistol. I can laze through it. You can burn a hole right through it. Now, mind you, that tank might have 100 MDC, and your 1D4 laser pistol isn't going to do crap to it, but it will at least burn holes through it, and it will do amazing things to a person or a you know any other thing that that that, that requires you know, that has SDC. A wooden door, a wall, drywall, you know, a normal car blow right through it. Um, and that I think is a really interesting thing about how MDC works. Some people think that MDC is is a, is a level of overpower, but it's. I I think what it does really effectively is it puts into the world that you know those those weapons that are you know you got hit by an anti tank cannon. No, you didn't soak it just because you have a lot of hit points. You know, <laughs> I think I think that's what it does really well. So, yeah. Um. And I think the, the stepping away from that, um, the other thing that they have a lot in their mechanics, and this is something that Palladium is really known for, are charts. Whether it be hit locations or crit tables or, um, you know, the ridiculous detail that they put into their weapons and ammo uh, and effects that things can do. I mean, one of the things that they are known for is their literally arms catalog. Mm-hmm. Like, there were advanced weapons catalogs that they put out for their games that was literally just a book of guns and armor and ammo and things like that and i mean that some of the errata books that followed up from the main book were just that they were more equipment manuals than anything else now how much of that stuff actually showed up in the cartoon because i never really watched the cartoon it was a little little inaccessible to me at the time so that's the thing is is that um 
Robotech as a whole, the game system, was was piecemeal follow-up to the anime. So it was just finding pieces of the anime and saying, ah, we now we can name and define what this is, which makes assumptions that the following things also exist. Mm, okay, okay, okay. And I think that's really where um where it falls. I mean, effectively what I like to say is that Palladium's Robotech was the was the fan service of the anime so that you knew what the missing pieces were. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It kind of became canonic for what was missing out of the anime, which you didn't see behind the scenes. Somebody doodled something in the background of an anime episode and they went, yeah, that looks interesting. What do you think that's a, you know, portal generation, you yeah. know, whatever. Like, so, so, like, something that was in one scene, like a shuttle, suddenly was now completely flushed out and everything about it was detailed because it it was now part of the world which assumed how you know we now knew how many pilots it was how big it was what would fit into it mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and but again we had to figure out well how fast does it go what weapon systems does it have those weren't in that that episode so those things had to be filled in and flushed out um and that's really where kind of robotex palladium filled in those gaps and made it interesting and gave us more things to play with. Yeah, yeah right on. And of course, toys. Um, <laughs> so what does Robotech do well? Um, I think one of the things that it does exceptionally well, it was a good start of complex characters in a game. Characters who are not just a set of skills, uh, but had strong motivations, they had deep issues, and it leaned into that you were a person who was going to experience situations that involve stress and trauma. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. that this is bigger than just your character. You were a hero in a situation. Essentially in a war, too, with an alien race. Yeah. yeah. Uh, a, a war for your world. Yeah. And for the future. Um, and, and an invasion at that, mm-hmm. uh, which was a whole other thing. Um, it blended for the first time, really, uh, giant robots and people. Now, it wasn't the first... Uh, but it was the first time that you were able to take visuals that were part of an existing world, an anime, mm-hmm. and blend it with something that was direct. Um, much like they did with Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, taking things out of the comic and bringing it into the system. Yeah, that was always something that, that like, you know, I, I, said, I, I never really got into Robotech when it was, you know, when it was in its heyday. But I got to admit, though, like watching from the from the sidelines, it always did capture my inspiration mm-hmm. in, my, in my imagination. And I'll be darned if, you know, little five year old, six year old me didn't look at that Veritech and think, man, that'd be so cool to fly around. Mm-hmm. We have a giant robot rah, stomp around. It was it was very cinematic for me. And mm-hmm. this was a game that pushed that cinema for me. Yes. So um, honestly, the it. It also gave an interesting universe connection to the other Palladium products. So now you not only just had one game, but you had a game with multiple worlds. And then Rifts opened that door even further um, because it was a common system. Whereas D&D was a system for fantasy roleplay in the D&D world, Mm -hmm. it really didn't have anything else. But now I had Palladium, which offered me Robotech, TMNT, Rifts. And I was like, oh, I, I can play any of these games and I understand them. Yeah. yeah. And and that opened a whole grouping of, of games there. It was it was a nice system to start with mm-hmm. uh, in that sense. Um, the other thing was there was uh, little left a question on how to do something. If you wanted to do some of the game, the rules were pretty straightforward. Yeah. yeah on, that was on, they weren't great, but they definitely solved the question. You, you might have to do some skipping around in the book, but I guarantee... Palladium has a rule for it. Correct. Absolutely. And that made it, it also made the outcomes very easy for a storyteller to say, okay, well, I'm going to punch the hull of the ship with my Veritex fist. Oh, okay. Um, well, uh, you don't have to roll to hit because it's right in front of you. Right. It, it has a, it has an MDC value and an armor value. So your roll for punch. Your punch is going to do a certain amount of MDC damage. So... Right. So let's roll that. And then, oh, uh, let's roll a crit table because technically you're punching a hull so you're going to end up doing damage to the fist and uh okay you you didn't take any damage on the fist great Mm -hmm. you know uh, of your mech and so now there's a hole all right i'm going to tear it open 
okay, that's, there's rules there's for rules that. There's rules for that too, yeah. Great. Um, so in that sense, it gave not only a role-playing game, but also a certain sense of tactics that Battletech had as well. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, so it was very easy to do all the maneuvers and figure out what you were doing. It wasn't simplified. It was... It was detailed. Now, Robotech though was all theater of the mind's eye, though, right? And it, so it wasn't. It didn't have the um, the miniatures grid style rules that BattleTech did. It didn't have those styles of tactics. It wasn't even really discussing those kinds of tactics, mm -hmm. um, because it assumed that your mind's eye, you already had the 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 view of the anime and of the models and references that were already coming out. So you already had an idea of what it was going to look like, but it didn't get into the minutia. Uh, I'm moving for hexes or anything like that to have those scenes. Um, it, it just assumed that you were going to have a discussion about getting behind cover or using debris or whatever to have your actions mean something, uh, when you were doing something in combat. Mm -hmm. um, and, I mean, it really did show off that aspect of the storytelling was that they didn't lean into the tactics. They were trying to move away from that. Mm -hmm. And it, looking back on it now after all these years, I can say that's not something they were trying to focus on. Mm -hmm. They were trying to focus on let's get through combat in a theatrical way that looks cool. Yeah. And yeah. then get back to telling a story. It's difficult to be theatrical and cinematic when you've got a grid mm -hmm. constraining you and hard numbers defining where things are and aren't. Yeah, and a ridiculous amount of initiative turns going through all the players to try and slow things down. It was very much encounter-to-encounter -encounter quick steps uh, is what they were trying to get to. Um, so, yeah, it, there, there were some really great aspects to it that I think made it very endearing and kept me engaged regardless of how challenging and daunting things were which is kind of where robotech falls apart the presentation of the book is uh beautiful on the cover and there's some lovely art in it but it gets very overwhelming and text heavy quick mm -hmm. the rules are very fast to you they are very detailed it felt like classic second edition D D, where you open the book and it's charts and text and not a lot of this is how we get into gaming yeah that's last time i cracked open a uh i think it was when we were doing our palladium system spotlight and uh i pulled out heroes unlimited i think it was and that was one thing that really struck me was it was like okay page two rules you know page one is introduction page two begins the rules page 347 still rules mm -hmm. you know and it, that that can be a little disheartening for new players, yeah. certainly. I mean, and there's a lot of charts, and charts tend to draw people away. Yeah. Like, it's it's not something you want to see very often. But at the same time, if you can, if you're looking at those, that's a lot of good detail to help you. Mm -hmm. um, it's just a lot, and it can be overwhelming. Um, especially if you've come from very light, rule light systems, it can be, ex like... It's GURPS is the most daunting of details, yeah, without yeah, a doubt, yeah. and it feels like there's too much going on. This is definitely within that step. Um, the knock knock says War and Peace, the rule book. It's it it, it can be it can it, be at it times. Can, it can it, be it at can times. feel that way. Yeah. I mean mm. the, the the good the good news about Palladium is that there are some core systems to it. Yes. If you understand how skills work, you understand rolling percentile, boom, you've got most of how you how your skills work. Yeah. You understand D20 plus, you know, plus modifiers over a threshold, you understand how most of combat works. Yeah. So beyond there, yeah, it's a lot of other like fiddly little stuff and charts for this and that, critical hits and whatnot mm -hmm. and stuff like that. So it gets into a lot of minutia from there, but at least the core of the gameplay, I would say, is pretty yeah. quick to pick up. Um. Some of the uh, the the examples of of combat in it are also a little weird, uh, because it was written almost in a discussive format at times, mm -hmm. where it's talking to you directly as this as the player who's reading the book. Like, literally, I'm going to read this: uh, a car screeches to a halt sixty feet away. Two men with heavy duty bazookas take cover behind their compact car. Now the tank is in trouble. Why? Because the bazookas do mega damage. You think, why are these lunatics in this example, and why are they trying to beat my tank? Like, 
And it's because it he they they're trying to engage you through conversation, and sometimes it gets a little odd in the discussion. Yeah, 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 yeah. But I liked that. I liked that it was communicating with you. Mm-hmm, you mm-hmm. know that that it was like you you needed to be you were part of the discussion. Mm-hmm. You were part of the learning process. Um, the changes where things get into a little bit are where combat gets a little heavy, where they're talking about differences in combat volleys bursts called shots um changes between physical combat and firearm combat yeah, yeah. um it feels very much like second edition D or some of those other systems where they were trying where they were layering ideas in um and not really telling you that you didn't have to play with those right right right, right. because they weren't listed as optional they were just another layer of things that you have to remember. Yep. yep. Um, and then you get to a, to a certain extent where you're like, well, are, are we doing a role-playing game here and telling a story, or is this a reality simulator? You know, Or is it just a tactical gameplay done in a different rule set? How many degrees in physics do I need to enact combat in this game system? Exactly. Or do I need to know all of the little... Do, do I need to know all of the... the percentile chances of things Mm -hmm. so statistical analysis comes in as as i'm going to be successful you know kind of (laughs) right 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 um the other thing that i think the game didn't do well is that it is based on an anime and there is an assumption that you kind of understand the universe yeah um and have have watched it because and i didn't really recognize this when i first got it that the first book only has about five pages in it dedicated to discussing Robotech and the world. Oh yeah, only five pages. You're not wrong because, like I said, I've got I've got four of those books sitting on my shelf. I've actually read through a bunch of them. Yeah, mostly because they like I, I understood Palladium, so I understood mm-hmm. at least the game system references and whatnot. Yeah, but like, darned if after four books I could tell you what the darn things were about. Right you now, know, I've got the Southern Cross Manual. Yeah. What's Southern Cross? It's a, it's a, still don't know. It's not a great song. I'll I'll go with that. But <laughs> I mean, if you didn't watch the anime, uh, you were missing out on quite a bit. Yeah. Of the detail. On the other hand, if you did watch the anime, this filled in the gaps. Right, right, right. And I will say, over the course of the eight books that they put out, they filled in a lot. They 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 grew that. Uh, and threw in a lot more detail about what was going on. In fact, uh, there were some beautiful timelines that they put in eventually that explained the whole universe, explained what was going on, who the protagonists and antagonists really were, um, went into details about the characters in more in more detail, uh, eventually leading out to talking about who the true antagonist was, the Robotech Masters, mm-hmm. and, and where they sat, and why all of this was really going on in the first place. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and I think that was really wonderful. I think that really helped solidify things, but it took time to get to that point, and you really had to invest in the entire system to get that. Yeah, yeah. And that makes it kind of difficult to get into that first book, that initial core book. Um, especially when like literally 20 plus pages of the book is literally about equipment and mechs and weapons. Like most of the book is just gear. It's just technical manual. It's just yeah. technical references. Um, and then the literally last, probably I want to say like five or six pages of the book are example characters that are literally the characters from the anime listed out as they would be characters in the game. Mm-hmm. And a little bit more detail about the, uh, about the game for fan service, which was the SDF one, the ship, the original ship that crashed, and what they ended up fixing up, all of the technical details about that ship, which is kind of irrelevant mm-hmm. in the grand scheme of things, but really neat if you're interested in Robotech. You yeah, know? yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, how, how would you love it if you had a? And I'm, I'll use this just as a simple reference. Uh, um, if you had a a role-playing game that was based upon Harry Potter and literally the last four pages of the books listed out all of the major characters, the heroes and the villains. And then the last two pages of the book is a complete detail on Hogwarts, every build, every room, its size, what its purpose was, where it sat, a detailed floor map of the entire building floor by floor, including, you know, uh, a, a digital representation, maybe even that you could, you know, and, and sketches of places that you didn't see in the movies. 
Mm-hmm. You know, and that clearly has more hours of footage and stuff than this 86 episode anime, <laughs> you know. But at the same time, that's effectively what they were doing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, I can't say that it was wrong, but I can say that it felt off. That yeah. it That it didn't do a lot of service to people who weren't interested. So... So Knox is asking, actually, in the live chat, uh, did they do the same for TMNT uh, mm. with reference to uh, filling in a lot of the blanks and stuff like that? Um, yes and no. Yeah, yes and no. Um, I mean, the, the the advantage they had for TMNT is that uh, Kevin Eastman and Peter Laird were uh, working with them yeah. quite a bit on that product. So yeah. um, it wasn't that they were extrapolating from Eastman and Laird's uh, uh, comics and stuff like that and then coming up with stuff to fill in the blanks. It's that they were having those blanks actively filled in by Eastman and, Eastman and Laird. Yeah. Um, and so they were kind of tying together a lot of the world building and whatnot, but, uh, uh, yeah, to a certain extent, I mean, they did transdimensional TMNT, t- mm-hmm. Turtles in Time, things like that, Turtles, uh, uh, is it Turtles in Space, I want to say? Um, yes. Uh, they did, so, I mean, there, there were some other things where, like, you know, the, the, the Turtles were getting into their, some of their wackier, uh, adventures mm-hmm. with, like, um, the fug- uh, Fugitoid, um yeah. and like the uh the utrons which were uh, if you watch the cartoon that was krang krang was a utron yes um but they were actually good guys they were like interdimensional refugees in yeah. the comic and they turned them into bad guys for yeah. some reason in the cartoon turtles in time i think was the other one wasn't it yeah, yeah. turtles in time where they got into uh renee and the time lord yep um but uh, i mean lord, I would... lord simultaneous that was yes. his name yes i mean in it and realistically, you did just like with uh, with Robotech. You had the characters from the anime uh-huh. in, or in the I should say comics, uh, listed in the book with stats, so you understood how they fit into the un- into the game universe. Yeah. Um, as well as a lot more availability for character creation, mm-hmm. other things like, and it was neat. It was definitely chart heavy again, and fit the same kind of design, but. It opened a lot of doors, and I thought that was beautiful. Yeah. And uh, uh, on the same thing. Um, we did get a couple questions. Yeah, we got about 10 minutes left. So let's, uh, we have two questions, I think. Yep. Uh, so the first one actually comes to us from the Mad Elf. Mm-hmm. Uh, what are some systems other than Palladium that would be a good fit for Robotech? So um, it is a heroic system. So technically you could do it in... Apocalypse world, you could do it in uh, a, like a seventh C hybrid, um, and uh, Rifts was actually done in Apocalypse world, so there's a translation already there technically. Um, but like I was saying, there was a, another system that picked it up in uh, released in 2019, which was the um, uh, Advantage Six, and that actually uses six sided dice only uh, for taking actions, and you. Uh, you are accepting successes. Um, and I think it's one, two, three are failures. Four is most of the time a failure. Five and six are successes. Um, and then, uh, determining the number of successes based kind of, uh, achieves your goal. Mm -hmm. Um, but they included a lot of the same heroic and drama situations where, uh, failures added drama uh, and situations added drama and you could avoid a failure by doing something heroic and accepting a dramatic consequence. For instance, uh, my character is being shot with missiles, and I roll to do a maneuver to miss it, and I fail. I could ask for a heroic moment in which I, you know, I'm able to just barely dodge out of all the missiles way, but those missiles go past me and hit something else. Mm. And I witness like the death of a bunch of people. And now I have that drama on me. Gotcha. 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 You know, or I'm able to get away from the person who was shooting at me. And now, now there's a revenge. Now they want to get me. Mm -hmm. And so they'll stop at nothing to, to have this fight finish properly. You know, kind of a thing. Gotcha. So, Almost like picking up the hunted background from us. Uh, uh, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So it was narrative. It's a narrative heavy kind of system, and it definitely fits the feels mm-hmm. of Robotech and some of the pieces that go yeah. along. And they do a really good job in the uh, in the rule set for it, literally detailing experiences from the show mm-hmm. and how they fit into the system. And I I, I liked that. Um, so I think those kind of things would definitely lend into it without I, a doubt. I mean, arguably, just because of their origins and their their past hustles with Harmony Gold, I think if you wanted to do Robotech in in the BattleTech system. 
Uh, it, I mean, you would probably strip it of a lot of its heroic feel and turn it more into a, a, a heavily tactical game. But um, yeah, they tried that. It was with Kickstarter, and uh, we're not going to go there. <laughs> I'll be honest. That's really a lot. What it was, man. I'm so thirsty. There's so much salt in. There this is a lot of. There's a lot of yeah. salt in that. I, I. I. It could have been very successful, and there was a lot of people who wanted it to be successful. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I wanted it to be successful, and unfortunately, um. Yeah. I'm gonna leave it at unfortunately. There was a lot of things that happened that did not work out right for them. We'll leave so. it at big oof. Yeah. Really big oof. All right. And our uh, second question comes from Knox in the Box. Mm -hmm. Uh, Snuck it in just under the wire. Yes. Uh, If you want, uh, the question is here, uh, what would be the best way, if I don't Don't change stations here on on, on Discord that I'm reading it off of, uh, what would be the best way to ease someone... Ease someone who's used to a looser play style into something more structured and accountable. Um... I don't know. I, I kind of think it's maybe it's a bit of a natural progression. Um, you you can start off with the with the looser play style for sure, but then it's just it's all about just adding more layers of structure, I suppose. I would say there's two ways you can look at this. One, if the player, if your players are looking for a looser play style, you can definitely play this with a looser play style without mm-hmm. a doubt. There's no the structure of the system is is layered so that you could peel it off and not have a problem. Uh, the problem comes in is the one you pointed out where players are like, well, I expected it to work this way because of the rules, so that I could do this and this. Now I can't. Right, right, right. Um, you're you're saying he's not getting a grapple, you know, a grapple response or something like that because you're just not using that rule. But I was right. counting on him doing that because I've got an ability that mm-hmm. says when he does a grapple, I get a bonus to blah blah blah. You know. Right, right. So, but again, if you're playing in a light rule system, you can still say that still happens. You know, without a doubt. Mm-hmm. Um, I think if you're wanting your players to play in a more, um technical uh or or tactical kind of feel game system always start with something light step them into it give them something basic to work from in a framework that they're comfortable with already yes you know so for instance if i was going to be bringing my players from D D into or D &D is a bad example but uh D into something more like this where i would want them to have a little bit more uh, care about their supplies and things like that. I might start them in a D&D game, you know, before I even think about getting into this and see how they handle encumbrance mm-hmm. and see mm-hmm. how they handle equipment uh, and go from there. Yeah. So I would say work from what you know. Uh, the other option is don't throw them in and see. Just let them know this is how the game is going to be played and and roll with it. And yeah. see which of your group does that, because in some cases, if that's what you want to do as a storyteller, there is a group there for you to play with. They're out there. But if you want to play with your group, then you have to make sure that you can accommodate and work with them and let them grow into what you want to play. I, I feel like for a system like Robotech or like Palladium in general, um, you're going to know by character creation whether that system is your is for you or not. Yep. Um. And so, yeah, if if you get halfway through character creation and you go, this is a lot, are, are, is, is this what the game is like? Then then maybe it's not the game for you. On yep. the other hand, if you're like, man, this is a lot of detail, this is cool, you know, yep. then then yeah, you'll probably have a good time with it. Yep. Um, I'd be I'd be a little loath to, to, to sink or swim them, but at the same time, I understand the the con of trying to ease them into it mm-hmm. is that you'll you'll you may set a false expectation, you know. Yeah. You you give them a little bit of a lighter system, and then they're like, oh, okay, I can handle this. And then you bump it up, and then it's like, well, this isn't like the other thing that I liked now. Right. You know? Yeah. So, you know, it's it, it really is up to you as a storyteller. If you're gearing to play a game that way, gear into it. If you're not, then be prepared to work with your players and maybe lighten it up a bit. Yeah. So our next week's topic is give them a nuke. <laughs> giving a player's vast power and but only once and but only once s- and how to handle that 
Uh, so you can find us on uh, Twitter at st underscore conclave, on Instagram at st underscore conclave. Uh, you can listen to us live every Wednesday night at 7 p.m. Eastern time on mixlr.com slash storyteller dash conclave. And you can join us on Discord. Uh, if you are uh, one of our Patreons, you can join us in our live chat during said uh, said broadcast. Mm-hmm. Um, but you can find that uh, link up on our Twitter as well as our website, storytellerconclave.com. Thank we, speaking of Patreon members, we want to thank Knox, Sam, The Arcane Asylum, Sparkle Motion, and Veteran. Uh, for getting us at the uh, <laughs> at, I am terrible tonight uh, and helping us every week we appreciate all of our Patreon members our pre-show music is Arcane Anthems you can find that at part- patreon.com slash arcane anthems our intro music is Beyond the Warriors by Geefrog you can find that at geefrogmusic.webly.com and our outro music which you're hearing right now is Only Our Footprints in the Sand by Midair Machine you can find that at soundcloud.com slash midair machine slash treks big shout out, shout out as always to our uh, families Vicky and Sean thank you so much for loving us and supporting us our friends who've sat with us at our tables over the years and given us these great experiences to share and you every single one of our listeners we love you so much love you guys stay safe good Good night. night